Awesome. We have been working through a theme of the resurrection the last couple of weeks. And a thank you to Tamara last week who just uh, had a brilliant message on living into the resurrection. And if you missed that, you can catch that online on our YouTube channel if you, if you need be. Uh, today we are going to be uh, continuing along that theme of the resurrection. And um, we're going to be looking at a question that sometimes is asked. And maybe you've asked this, maybe you haven't. Uh, but the question of why did Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he's in this new resurrected body, this glorious body, why did he keep his scars? And why does he still have those scars today? Because, uh, I mean, some of you have scars, you have wounds, maybe from a C-section, maybe from, you know, a broken bone, you have a big staple marks all the way down your side or something like that. Uh, and you, maybe you're hoping that after you have your resurrection body that you're like, the last thing I want is to keep those scars because I want a perfect body. And, but yet here's Jesus wounded in his resurrected body. Why did Jesus keep his scars? What does that mean for, for us? Uh, we're going to talk about that today. But we see this in the biblical texts. In the resurrection story in the Gospel of John, it says a week later, this is a week after Jesus rose from the grave, it says his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And this is doubting Thomas, who didn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. Although their doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them, which is kind of a spooky thing when the doors are shut, and all of a sudden Jesus is like, he's there. Kind of an interesting thing that Jesus could do after his resurrection. And Jesus says, peace be with you, because they're probably freaking out, as I would if someone popped in the room. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And so uh, even, even though Jesus appears in the room, he's still physical. He asked Jesus, uh, Thomas to touch him, and Thomas could actually touch him. He is, has this physical body, but it is a wounded body. In Luke's version, it says Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Again, he says, peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are you, your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see it's really me. Touch me and make sure I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, uh, filled with joy and wonder. Uh, then they asked him, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they, they watched. And so, uh, we see the strange thing about the Jesus resurrected body that he could obviously just appear in a room, you know, walk through walls or whatever, that it was kind of ghostly in that sense, uh, but he wasn't a ghost because uh, Jesus says, touch me. Uh, I'm not just a spirit. I actually have a physical body. And to, to add to the, the confidence of that, they actually give him some fish and he's eating, even though he just appeared in the room. But in this resurrected body, he has wounds. Again, he he tells his disciples to look at them and to touch them. This body is actually called a glorious body. Speaking about the resurrected body, our resurrected bodies in the future, and Jesus' re resurrected body, 
in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, there are also bodies in heavens and bodies on earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. And obviously, Jesus' body was different. I mean, earthly bodies can't walk through walls. Jesus could. But it's a glorious body. It's a heavenly body. And it says the sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and the stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. In the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in, in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. Or just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And so this, this body of Jesus was a spiritual body. It was a heavenly body. It was a glorious body, but it was a, it was a physical body, not just spiritual. It was, it was physical, but he still contains wounds. Even though his body is heavenly, even though he is sitting at the right hand of God, he, he has wounds. Why is it that Jesus still has wounds in this perfect, heavenly, glorious, amazing body? Again, because many of us would say, you know, I want my wounds gone. I don't want to ever remember my wounds. I don't want to see my wounds. I, I want to be perfectly heavenly. Now, theologians will answer this question differently in terms of why Jesus still has wounds, and we're going to look at just some of the different ways that folks would answer this. Uh, first and, and clearly, the scars confirmed that Jesus actually was raised from the dead, and we see that Jesus uses his physical wounds to help people believe. In the Gospel of Luke, again, Jesus says, you can see that it's really me, touch me, and he showed them his hands and his feet. In the book of John, Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And so Jesus uses his wounds to help these doubting disciples to believe that he really did rise from the grave. But then Jesus hangs around, of course, for those 40 days, and then he ascends into heaven. And you might think, well, maybe then Jesus would get rid of his wounds. After all, he kind of showed people he has physical wounds in his body, then, I mean, but then he, then he rises up to heaven, so maybe then he would get rid of these wounds, because after all, he's, he's at the right hand of the Father. Surely you wouldn't want someone wounded sitting at the right hand of the Father. I mean, the Old Testament, you weren't allowed to go in the temple if you were wounded, or you were disfigured, or had leprosy. If there was something wrong with your body, you weren't allowed in the temple, but here, seated at the right hand of God, is the wounded Jesus. And we see that he will be this way forevermore in the book of Revelation. It says, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. So Jesus chooses to keep his wounds, to keep his scars for all eternity. And so other folks would say that the, the, the reason uh, these scars are there is, is a visual reminder of God's love. And, and we as humans... Uh, we like visual reminders of things. I mean, some folks put on, have tattoos that have meaning, and whenever they see that tattoo, it, it brings great meaning to them. My wife, my wife has a few tattoos that they, they mean a lot. They're very special to her. Uh, other people, I mean, you know, some folks wear wedding rings. Whenever you see a wedding ring, like I have, it reminds you that, that you've committed yourself to love and to serve somebody. Uh, we have you know, birthday cakes that remind us of birthdays and Christmas trees that remind us of the season. And we, we have all these physical things like photographs and, and 
home videos that we watch and go, I remember that. And so too with Jesus' wounds, that when we see Jesus, whenever we see him in the new heavens and the new earth, whenever we give him a hug or hang out with him or chat with him, we're going to see his wounds in his hands. We're going to see his wounds in his feet. And if he's at the beach, we're going to see his wound in the side, right? Uh, well, he's wounded. And it's going to remind us of the incredible love that he has for us. As Romans 5, 8 says, that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and while we were at our worst, when maybe everybody else was giving up on us, when no one would believe in us, when no one was handing out love towards us, when we thought everybody was against us, Jesus dies for us. And, and his wounds will forever remind us of just the incredible, incredible love that God has for us. And it'll be an eternal reminder. That just as I'm going to wear my wedding ring, <laughs> you know, till death do us part, so too uh, we are going to see Jesus with his wedding ring, if you will, his scars for, for all eternity. And it is this love that is so important for us to grow in. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus is going to be carrying these wounds, because it is the love of God that transforms us more than anything else. And I was reminded of this uh, last week. I'm in a, in a pastoral roundtable right now, and we're reading through a book on prayer, uh, various pastors from all across Canada, and I read this little portion in this book, and, and man, it just was a, just a beautiful reminder of God's love. And I just want to read it. I did, did post it on Facebook as well, but this is a dream that this uh, Ronald uh, Rollheiser had at one time, and he says this in his dream. I was asked to go to an airport and pick up Jesus, who was arriving on a flight. I was understandably nervous and frightened. A bevy of apprehensions beset me. How would I recognize him? What would he look like? How would he react to me? What would I say to him? Would I like what I saw? More frightening yet, would he like what he saw when he looked at me? With those feelings surging through me, I stood as one stands in a dream at the end of a long corridor, nervously surveying the passengers who were walking towards me. How would I recognize Jesus and, and would his first glance at me reflect his disappointment? But this was a good dream, and it taught me as much about God as I'd learned in all my years of studying theology. All my fears were alleviated in a second. What happened was the opposite of all my expectations. Suddenly, walking down the corridor towards me was Jesus, smiling, beaming with delight, coming straight for me, rushing, eager to meet me. Everything about him was stunningly and wonderfully disarming. There was no awkward moment. Everything about him erased that. His eyes, his face, and his body embraced me without reserve and without judgment. I knew he saw straight through me, knew all my faults and weaknesses, my lack of substance, and none of it mattered. And for that moment, none of it mattered to me either. Jesus was eager to meet me. And a moment like this one forgets everything except that God is here. There's no place for fear or shame or wondering what God thinks of you. And then he comments, he says, that's a lesson all of us must learn, somehow learn, somehow experience. We live with too much fear of God. Partly is bad theology, but mostly we fear God because we've never experienced the kind of love that is manifest in God. We take for granted that anyone who sees us 
as we really are in our unloveliness, weakness, pathology, sin, and insensibility, uh, will in the end be as disappointed with us as we are with ourselves. At the end of the day, we expect that God is disappointed with us and will greet us with a frown. The tragedy and sadness here is that we avoid God when we are in, uh, most in need of love and acceptance because we think God is disappointed in us, especially at those times when we are disappointed in ourselves. And we fail to meet the one person, the one love, and one energy, God, that actually understands us, accepts us, delights in us, and is eager to smile at us. And, and this, this is what the wounds of Jesus remind us of. This incredible love of God that even when we are at our worst, even when we are so disappointed in ourselves, that God is smiling on us, loving us, there for us, present with us, and is just so happy to have you in his presence. Uh, these scars will internally, eternally remind us of just how loved you actually are. These scars also remind us uh, they also remind us that Jesus knows human pain. And it can be very helpful in life when you are struggling to run across someone else who has struggled in a similar way as you. I mean, if you're suffering and, and you're going through a brutal time in life, it's not always, ha uh, you know, comforting to talk to someone who's never had an issue, whose life just seemed to be perfect and beautiful and it seems to be, always be blessed. I mean, somehow when you're suffering, you want to connect with somebody else who knows what suffering is like. I mean, I know for me, because I can struggle with, you know, pretty deep depression at times and have for, for a lot of my life, it is helpful for me to connect with somebody else who, who understands what it's like to be depressed. And I have a good friend who goes to this church uh, who also knows what it's like to walk under a cloud of darkness, under a cloud of depression. And, and when I'm down or he's down, sometimes we connect with each, with each other and we know, <laughs> we know each other, we, we know what each other is thinking, we, we know what it's like to be in that state. And it's so helpful for me to talk to someone else who knows what it's like to struggle in that way. And, uh, and maybe for you, whatever your issue is, that if you can find someone who knows what it's like to lose a loved one, maybe if you've lost a loved one, it's, it's helpful to connect with somebody who understands the depths of human pain. And, and Jesus understands the depths of human pain. Uh, Simon Steer said, the risen but scarred body of Christ is the ultimate signifier of divine empathy. Uh, God actually knows. And sometimes we can fall in the trap of thinking, you know, you know God's up in heaven and, and everything's beautiful and simple and, you know, kind of there. And what does he know about suffering? He knows. And not only does he know, but Jesus eternally is going to be carrying scars that remind us that he knows what real life is, that he knows the brutality of life. And Hebrews 2 actually talks about this. It says, it's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels, talking about the cross. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed, that, that he understands. He understands the depth. I mean, he understands what the most horrible torture is like when his body is being whipped to shreds and, 
crown of thorns and a spear and, and, and nails, and he knows what that's like. He knows what it's like to, to be called a heretic and to have nobody believe <laughs> that, he's, he's no, that he knows what he's talking about. He knows what it's like to have people reject him and despise him. He knows what it's like to be in such despair and such anxiety and stress that he's sweating blood. He knows that. He knows what it's like to lose, lose uh, loved ones. I mean, most likely Joseph would have died when he was at a young age because he seems to just kind of disappear from the gospel stories. Uh, he knows what it's like to be in such struggle and in such pain that, that at one moment he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Jesus knew, I mean, that God would never forsake him, and we know that God would never forsake us, but there are moments when we're like, God, where are you? I mean, it seems like, where are you? I mean, uh, why aren't you stepping in? He knows what that is like. And so when we meet with God, we're meeting with a God who knows exactly what it's like to go through pain. And these scars remind us constantly that when we are struggling, when we're uh, falling apart, when we're depressed, when we're saying, God, where are you? That that God is a safe place to voice those emotions. God is not ashamed when we come to him in our frustration and anger and our brokenness because God understands what it's like to live in this messy, broken, horrible world. Again, sometimes we can get diffused and, you know, like, God, you're in this Disneyland culture up in heaven. <laughs> what do you know about this? He knows, and he knows it deeply. So talk with him. He is there to connect with you. And lastly, these scars remind us that there is glory and beauty in our scars. There's actually glory and beauty in our scars, and sometimes we want to hide our scars. Uh, sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable with our weaknesses, and these scars can be emotional, they can be, you know, physical, they can be spiritual, whatever these scars are, but sometimes we, we often want to hide them, that we feel ashamed of these wounds. And, and therefore we hope when we get to heaven that, that we're going to forget them all and they're going to be gone, they're going to disappear. But Jesus kept his wounds because there are uh, sometimes is glorious beauty in our wounds. In Philippians 3, it says, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Jesus' body is described as a glorious body yet it's still wounded because there is beauty in certain wounds and there's beauty in some of your wounds and beauty in some of my wounds. Even though we might want to forget how they happened because it was evil and awful and horrible, but what God has done from those wounds, how we've been shaped by those wounds, how we've integrated those wounds in our story can be a very beautiful thing. I mean, it's similar to uh, Kinsugi art, uh, Kinsugi art, sorry, uh, some of you have heard of this before. I mean, it's talked about a lot, but it's this, 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 this art where they, they take broken pottery and these Japanese artists will take all the pieces and they use a, a gold-dusted lacquer to piece all the pieces together. And, and in the end, you have something that is very beautiful and very expensive. And even though it's broken at one time, how, how it's pieced together makes this art far more beautiful and far more glorious than it was before. And it's all because it was broken. And God is this great artist where he takes our brokenness and, he, and he, he brings healing and we integrate that into our life and our story and our growth and our maturity and it becomes part of us and it becomes a very beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, 
What happened to us might not be beautiful. What happened to, to Jesus when the religious leaders tortured him, and that's not beautiful. <laughs> Evil people torturing Jesus, that's not beautiful. But the wounds are beautiful in the end because such good things happen from that. And often through our wounds, it's horrible, it's evil what happened to us, but God takes that evil and he works it for good. He brings healing, he, he brings it into our story. We're able to help others, it matures us in certain ways, and, and there is a beauty in our scars that Jesus says for him is gonna remain into eternity. And it may be that some of our wounds and our, some of our scars that we may be ashamed of Maybe God is going to keep them because God sees them as glorious, because God sees them as beautiful, because they're part of our story. Peggy uh, Weheimer said this, if Jesus showed us his scars, even after his resurrection, then maybe we can learn to integrate pain and suffering into our lives in a way that frees us from wasting energy spent in denial and shame. Again, we often want to deny something that happened. That never happened to me. We want to put it away. We want to try to forget it. <laughs> but it sits there and it festers or we're ashamed of it. I don't want to show anybody my vulnerability. I don't want to show them my wounds. I don't want to show them my scars. I don't want to show them my hurts. And we hide it. Yet this Jesus, who is completely unashamed for all eternity of his wounds, there's a lesson in that for us that perhaps we need to be less ashamed of our wounds and to see what God is doing in them and to see how God is piecing together those broken pieces in our lives and he's mending them with his gold and his life and his Holy Spirit because he sees beauty in our cracks. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. I got you're keeping your wounds. Not as much as I might want to get rid of my wounds and forget them all, <laughs> God, you bring meaning to them. You, you've integrated them into our story. Uh, God, I, I thank you that your wounds show us your love. My God, I just pray for anyone this morning that is not, doesn't sense your love, that feels distant from you. God, that you shower them in your love. God, you remind them of your presence. And God, that you are a safe place for us to just share emotionally and to be vulnerable. I thank you, God, that you're not ashamed of us and you're not ashamed of our wounds. And so, God, we live into you. We just lay down our lives at your feet again and receive your presence and your beauty into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to seal off our time just in worship, being reminded of uh, God's power and grace at work in our lives. In Jesus' name.